The Pro Wrestling Stories Podcast. Welcome to the Pro Wrestling Stories Podcast, where we transport you to nostalgic moments of wrestling's past. You can listen to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google, YouTube, wherever you get them. We don't discriminate. You can just find them, listen, and of course, subscribe. That would be great if you did that. And also follow Pro Wrestling Stories on Facebook, at Pro Wrestling Stories, and on Twitter, PWS underscore official. If you want to add a t-shirt to your collection, stop by PWSTees, that's T-E-E-S dot com, and look for all of our shirts there. You can actually order one right now, and if you use promo code PODCAST, take 10% off that order. Father's Day's coming up. Maybe that's a good idea for that one. And also, leave us a review. If you do that on, say, Apple Podcasts or wherever else, you may be entered to win a t-shirt of your choosing from pwsts.com. I'm Chris Toplack. He's Corey Rivard. Whether it was the sting with the blonde flat top, neon tights, matching face paint, or the dark brooding sting inspired by the crow, Fans all collectively wondered, what would it be like if he ever joined WWE? I thought about this constantly. Corey, do you remember the first time you ever saw Sting? And did you ever think he would eventually make the jump to Vince McMahon's WWF or WWE in the 90s or 2000s? Well, the first time I ever saw Sting and or heard about Sting... Uh, I was a WWF guy, but you had the, you were always fully aware of the other roster. Of course. And I, I don't know if you had this as a kid, but I was so confused. I didn't understand how they had the guy who sang, I'll be watching you as their main guy. I couldn't differentiate that there could be two stings on the planet. Gotcha. I had the same problem with Sid Vicious. I was like, they also have Sid Vicious? This I thought he crazy. died. I thought, I thought he died. I get, faked his yeah. death and he came back to wrestle in WCW. A, yeah. Like, yeah, honestly, as a kid, I couldn't figure out how to. I mean, I thought Tom Selleck and Burt Reynolds were the same guy. You know, as a kid, you're just confused Fair. about everything. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I remember him being the the hero for the other team. But, yeah, you always, you always thought that uh, everybody would be swapping. Eventually, he was going to get there at some mm-hmm. point. And uh, I guess that ends up being true, but not in the most wonderful way I, yeah. I would have hoped. That's yeah. true. I mean, it probably would have been a lot more impactful, at least in my opinion, in the 90s or, of course, even the early 2000s after WCW was purchased. Now, similar to you, I actually discovered Sting, and I was WWF loyal as a kid. We have that very much in common. And I did not watch WCW, but I saw him in the magazines and he just leaped out at me, very similar to Macho right. Man, larger than life. He was like a modern day superhero. And when I did tune into WCW, he was my guy. And he was the sole reason I tuned in in the 90s. Now, fast forward later, when he was the dark brooding Sting, it was not just him, but also the cruiserweights as well. But honestly, it was solely Sting for the only reason I tuned into WCW in the early to mid-90s. He was, he was their Hulk Hogan. He was. He was you know, he was the face, face of all of it. And I thought he was better than Hulk Hogan. Just my opinion, but I thought he could have been just as big. And even Hulk Hogan has stated this, even Ric Flair. It's always those, you know, what-if scenarios. If he jumped to WWF during that time, yeah. could he be as big? We'll never know, but he would have had a yeah. damn good shot. Exactly, exactly. And... 
I still thought he had a shot when he finally did it. Yeah. Like, okay, we can do this now if you want to wait all this time. But lo and behold, uh, things this. change. Well, the one thing yes. he has going for him, and Kevin Nash said this. I read this great article where Kevin Nash said because of the face paint, technically he never really ages. Just the body. Right, yeah, that's not a bad point. Yeah, and it's true because when he showed up, you'd think, okay, the hair's a little different, maybe a little bit less yeah. hair. He's still in pretty yeah. reputable shape for his age, and of course he has that well-known makeup. So in professional wrestling, the one thing we can agree with, Sting is essentially a household name. You know him. Whether you watched WCW or not, he's an undeniable legend. So as we know, World Championship Wrestling was bought by Vincent Kennedy McMahon. It was on March 23rd, 2001. And one of the few constants in WCW was the man called Sting. He had numerous classic matches. He won all the titles. He drew huge audiences. People loved him. They put on the face paint and they would connect to him. He did big business with the NWO. But as we know, there were a lot of detours along the way. So today we look at Sting and his unlikely yet inevitable journey to WWE. If you want to follow along, Sting and WWE, his unlikely journey, author Joey Finnegan, editor JP Zarka. Zarka. Sting, in his own words, Sting opens up on why he didn't come to the WWE after the WCW acquisition in 2001. Sting says, I talked with Vince McMahon. He was really good to me, but I just got the feeling that, put it this way, all the guys from WCW that went to WWE when the acquisition happened, by then, there wasn't a real WCW because for so many years, WCW was Hall and Nash. You know, it was Hogan. It was Savage. It was Sting. It was Luger. It was the Steiner brothers. Mm-hmm. Uh, You know, a certain package of guys that were gone, and you know the package that he had left had dwindled down to a small group of guys who really great wrestlers, phenomenal talents, but they weren't with WCW for all these years. And you know, mainstay kind of names and all that. So then Sting goes on to say, I was watching what he was doing storyline-wise, and he'd have WCW against WWF and that hostile takeover thing, like there was any other choice. That that had to happen, obviously. Of course. That whole deal there, I'll never forget Booker T making his first appearance on their show. And he came into the ring, and he's making this big, huge fight. You guys are flying all over the place. And then The Rock comes into the ring, and The Rock is hitting guys. Guys are all flying all over the place. And then they come back to back, and he turns around, and they look at each other. And The Rock looks at Booker T, and he says, who are you? Mm. Uh, And that one little comment is all it took to just bury somebody in Sting's opinion. Uh, Bury somebody like Booker T. So let's uh, let the world know that you're a WCW guy and you're a peon here. Hmm. It wasn't going to require lots of work for Booker T to come back, and he did because he's a talented guy. And after all the years I put into wrestling at that point, it just seemed like a gamble to me. I didn't trust how I would be used. So the quote here is from his Sting Return of an Icon DVD. And the reason why was because I watched this, yeah, surprise, surprise, like a dozen times. And it was the fact that tattooed on his body. (laughs) It was memorable because it was the first time he really spoke about it in depth. Because we always wondered, so why didn't you come here? But when he lays it out in that scenario, do you blame him? Because again, it's the first time he addresses it. Do you think he has a valid point here, Corey? I mean, I've never seen WWE misuse anyone before, so I can't imagine where he's going with that. (laughs) Uh, yeah, no, he's got a great point. I mean, he ends up being misused anyways, but, uh, yeah, I mean, he's not actually remembering that exactly right anyways. That's not exactly how it went down, but it goes to um, show though too, how he cares about guys like Booker T 
who was the lifeblood of WCW, especially in those final years of saying, why are you going to minimalize who he is? I mean, at the time, he was like a two-time champion in terms of he was holding the world championship and I believe the United States championship at the time. You bring him over and The Rock says, who are you? He's Booker T. The Rock was putting everyone down anyways all the time. His gimmick was being a dick. Mm -hmm. So, I don't know. That was was part of the deal. And they're going to obviously have one company against the other. And I don't know. But uh, he ends up being misused anyway. But it just took a lot longer to get there. Well, as we know as well, too, if you were not a Vince McMahon creation, you likely won't receive the same treatment. Unless you're an AJ Styles or someone else who just rises to the occasion, in my humble opinion. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, took a lot, of, a lot for these guys to get out of the rock that they put them under so to speak. Of course. And the other thing, too, that needs to be said, and it's not included in this article, but we know this, but they were under these really lucrative contracts. So Vince McMahon was not going to pay all of this money. Jim Ross has spoken about this to bring them over all these big names where they can bring over smaller talents, lesser known and pay them a heck of a lot less money. Right. Exactly. They just need a handful of WCW guys to get the gimmick, the, the idea across really anyways. Yeah. So as we know, he did not jump to WWF during the invasion angle. Instead, he toured throughout Europe with World Wrestling All-Stars. By the way, it featured a lot of prominent names. Off the top of my head, I believe even AJ Styles, speaking of him, he was there. Low-key, Buff Bagwell was there. Eddie Guerrero was there for a period of time. Jeff Jarrett, Rick Steiner, Scott Steiner, Stevie Ray. I know, surprisingly, Bret Hart was actually the first commissioner over there and even Jeremy Borash who we now know with WWE he was the booker Jerry Lawler was there for a moment in time when he actually left WWE WWF so they had a decent roster they actually had some young talent there but it lasted I believe less than two years it just kind of fell apart Ooh, rough man it happens though right and I mean when you're trying to start a new company I don't even want to know all the logistical nightmares that go into this that you have to consider so they have all these guys, and then they start a new company. But at the same time, though, too, keep in mind, total nonstop action. TNA was just getting started, and Sting actually signed a contract with them in 2003, and he debuted on their one-year anniversary show. He stayed with them until 2014, uh, and I can actually talk quite a bit about his TNA run. We won't cover it in-depth here, but I actually saw him compete at Bound for Glory 2006 in Plymouth, Michigan. I went there specifically for him and the fact Kurt Angle was going to be the special guest enforcer. But Sting was there. Where, where was it again, sir? So it was in uh, Plymouth, Michigan. Michigan, okay. Yeah, it's so that's where it was. Right. It was their first major pay-per-view outside of Orlando. And, of course, prior to that, they were in Nashville. Right, okay. It was a big deal. Was it uh, big, uh, well-reviewed in your world? It wasn't bad. It wasn't fantastic. But during this time, TNA actually was fairly reputable. I, I always say from about 2004 to maybe 2007, That was probably their glory years, and Sting was there for them, and he made quite a bit of money. So they had a decent roster for the most part. I mean, when you think about it, he worked with the likes of Christian, who was Christian Cage at the time, the Monster Abyss, Rob Van Dam, Hulk Hogan. I care way more when he worked with AJ Styles and Samoa Joe, even R-Truth, Kurt Angle, and a whole bunch more. So we'll certainly save this conversation about TNA for a later date, but it was a fairly memorable run, and I know for a while I was ordering all their pay-per-views. I uh, I didn't watch a lot of it, but I did tune in for uh, the infamous 
Jeff Hardy sting. Oh uh, my night. God. I think that's Victory I really, Row 2011, if I recall correctly. Yeah. And that was the worst I really, decision. I really ever. wanted to see it. <laughs> so oh I wasn't God. even watching it at the time, but I was like, oh, that sounds amazing. Let's watch that. And then, uh, and then that happened. <sighs> and for, for anyone unfamiliar with that, essentially Jeff Hardy took some medication, we'll say, even though it was like illegal mm-hmm. drugs. And he was wasted. They could not find him. And they sent him out to the ring anyway, even though people can make excuses and say, oh, he just ran out. You could have stopped yeah. him. You could have ran out, <laughs> tackled him, pulled him back. He went out against Sting. And Sting basically had to call an audible to say, okay, this guy is messed up. I don't know yeah. if he's drunk on drugs, but I'm basically going to force him into the Scorpion death drop, and I'm going to pin him. And that's exactly what he did. And his shoulders weren't even completely down, but they said, F this. We're not going forward with it, and he's going to hurt somebody. And he looks really confused after, like, why'd I just lose in one minute? He he wanted to keep going. Yeah, and, and it's sad, too, because Jeff Hardy's faced a lot of demons in his life and in his career. To me, that was the lowest of the lows, at least that I got to witness and probably you witnessed. Because as you noted, when you look in his eyes, he's lost. He's totally lost. And you think to yeah. yourself, imagine if you're Sting. Uh, yeah, the story about this, though, too, was apparently as ticked as Sting was, he didn't hold a grudge against him. I mean, it shows what kind of guy he was. If it were me or you, yeah. and we were in that situation, I-, I would have been waiting behind the curtain, maybe ready to jump him. <laughs> I would have been that angry. He's a nice guy. He is. Yeah, he's too he's nice, I think, that. actually. He could have been like, you just ripped off all the fans here. You ripped off all the people ordering the pay-per-view, and you ripped off a great match that we would potentially have that people were waiting for and anticipating. Well, at least no one's... Uh, no major wrestling companies utilizing that kind of thing in any type of storyline or anything because that'd be really awful hey oh awkward yeah you should watch smackdown recently and then all of a sudden you'd say oh my god chris my worst nightmare came true uh yeah you saw yeah you saw that so it all came to an end his career in tna by the way when he lost to a man who was so underutilized in wwe was ec3 ethan carter the third and that was due to interference from magnus who is now Nick Aldis in NWA, who's doing fantastic there. So in response, Sting actually challenged Magnus, who was the TNA World Heavyweight Champion at the time, of course, naturally. Title versus career took place on January 23rd, 2014. It was an episode of Impact. It wasn't a pay-per-view. Sting lost, and his contract was terminated. So obviously we talked about TNA. Now the negotiations with WWE officially begin. How do we segue this terminated word to where Triple H comes out as the Terminator in his his WWE debut? Time to play the game. Okay, we'll get there. We'll get there. Stop jumping the gun, Corey. Sting first appears in a WWE Network production on April 15th, 2014, sharing a story team partner, the Dingo Warrior, who had recently passed away. (laughs) The Dingo Warrior. Uh, The Ultimate Warrior. Uh, This marks Sting's first appearance in the WWE. A few days later, WWE Home Video uh, DVD and Blu-ray announced the best of Sting, calling for a September 2014 release. Purchased that. It's awesome. Shocker. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, You feel the wave coming, the Sting wave coming. For me, this is where it all kind of comes together. On July 14th, Sting appears in a vignette on Raw to promote the video game WWE 2K15, which I buy every year except for last year. Same, uh, same. Horrific uh, experience. Do you have which one? Do you, do you have PlayStation or Xbox? Or I have a PlayStation. Play I have a PlayStation Four. Me, me too. Oh, we Chris, could play that. I think. Hello. We could play Two K Nineteen. I still have that one. Me too. Oh, right. so following this, we have our plan set. Okay, great. Uh, yeah. 
Uh, all right. Uh, in which he was featured as a pre-order bonus character in both his Crow and Surfer pre-96 incarnations. That same day, WWE began selling official Sting merchandise. It's uh, exciting. July 24th. Right, yeah. All, all in one false swoop. Uh, I like they always have like a when the video game comes out, someone comes and makes their return with the video game. Everything's always tied into the big video game release. Well, they did it with Goldberg, uh, and then remember they had Ultimate Warrior one year. So yeah, they tied yeah. it in pretty well. Was this also the what year was the Schwarzenegger in it as the Terminator? I think it was a year or two later, I believe. Because this is the year he's put in the Hall of Fame. Well, yeah, maybe it was like the next year. But anyways, on July 24th, Borden made his first public appearance for WWE in full sting garb as a surprise guest at the 2014 San Diego Comic-Con International. The event was held to announce WWE's upcoming line of Mattel action figures, in which the company's first ever sting figure would appear. Prior to that appearance, Sting gave his first interview with WWE.com, which was released later that day. On August 4th, WWE announced Sting as a guest on the WWE 2K15 roster reveal panel, which I actually watched because I cared that much about. I did too. I actually did Did too. Yeah, and the one prior to that, I still remember it because you heard Sting's music playing. This was at the Comic Con, and then you hear a fan go, "It's Sting!" and he walks out. And I'm going to admit it right now. I popped (laughs) huge for that because Hulk Hogan was on stage, Paul Heyman, all these guys, and Hulk put him over massive as well. Even Paul Heyman. Because it's a big deal. It's Sting finally there in person, in of the flesh. Of course. My poor girlfriend at the time had no idea what the hell was happening. <laughs> I forced her to watch a video game roster reveal. <laughs> and now I'm single. Um, anyways, um, <laughs> all of this led up to November 23rd. At the age of 55, Sting interrupted the main event of Survivor Series to cost Team Authority the match, officially marking the first time Sting had ever stepped foot into a WWE wrestling ring. Do you remember that moment too? Because that was so incredibly exhilarating when his music hits, even though it was very different, but you saw like the crows and then on the screen, you see his face and you think, oh my God, is he actually there? I think that might be the best part of his whole WWE career. Yeah, I'd say so. It doesn't uh, amount to more than that moment, I don't think. Well, that was amazing. That that gives me goosebumps even thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah, except that you see that he's coming out to Triple H, and then right away you're like, "Oh, oh, oh, shit! I know where I know where this is going." Yeah, bring out the shovel. Yeah, true. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So, what do you think about here? They're finally doing business together. Did you think it was ever going to happen? Because at the time when we were talking about Comic Con and the roster reveal, he could have just been destined to be a brand ambassador. Did you actually think that he was going to compete, or did you think? Okay, all he's going to do is just be in interviews and sell some merch because, of course, he will. The action figures, but would he actually be in a ring? Uh, 100%. I thought he'd be in the ring. I don't think uh, WWE would have cared too much about uh, health or safety. They needed to get that guy in the ring. <laughs> True. Uh, that was the the fans would have rioted, and uh, he got a couple matches out of, out of himself. True. They would say money lost if they actually left it on the table, right? Exactly. Exactly. Not the matches we were looking for, but alas. Actually, what, what would you say? Would you prefer that he had no matches instead of the matches that he had? No, I like the matches that he had. I, I thought that you at like least, it, yeah, it, it gave us some memories. I mean, I didn't love the outcome, especially with Triple H, but there's a reason for it, which I'll explain. With Seth Rollins, it was actually great that Seth Rollins won. It was just the fact he got injured during the match, which we will cover. 
Yes. Which was scary. It was frightening because I was actually in a hotel in Salt Lake City, Utah. I was going to a conference (laughs) uh, on behalf of my software company. So I was there uh, basically presenting and meeting with some various people as well, too. And I watched it from my hotel room. And I remember it occurred, and I was just, I had to go like present the next day. And I thought, oh, I'm not going to be in the right <laughs> mindset. One of my all time favorites just got injured. He's stumbling <laughs> around the ring. He may have like broken his spine at the time. I remember thinking, oh, this is going to be the worst sleep ever. Can you call in sick for work because your favorite wrestler got injured? Probably not. Thing? And probably not when I'm in Salt Lake City, Utah, and I'm expected to be <laughs> I need there. a day off, guys. I'm sorry. They're like, we paid for you Sting to go there. Hurt. What are you doing? It's like, Sting got hurt. This is a day off for me. <laughs> yeah. Come on. You know, I actually called in sick for work uh, once because my sister called me uh, saying that David Letterman died, which he's he's still alive 20 years later. <laughs> But I called in sick. I called in sick for work because I was so sad. What about a cruel it. joke, right? Like, I mean, yeah. David Letterman is alive I think she and well. I thought he died. But... He's, he's on Netflix. He's alive and well. He's enjoying yeah. retirement, and all of a sudden, like, David Letterman's dead. And yeah, hey, I, I would be blindsided too. I loved him. I grew up watching him as well. That's 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 my George Carlin. Oh boy, wow! Chris is obsessed with George Carlin. I am. I've, I've been obsessed with Letterman for. My whole life. There you go. Another person I've been obsessed with too is Johnny Carson, but we will leave that for another day. Uh, and again, David, show David Letterman, the man who carried that torch. So I have the utmost respect for him. We get oh, wait, to the world needs to know. The world <laughs> needs to know if you called in sick when Johnny Carson died. Yeah, it didn't happen because I would have been six years. <laughs> yes. uh, no, I would. It wasn't six. I think he died in two thousand one, maybe two thousand three. Yeah. So no, I went to high school that day. I had to get my grades. Yeah, okay, oh, that's, that's I had fair. to salvage them. So all of this happens where it's all set up. It's official now. It's WrestleMania 31, which I've told you and I've stated on multiple occasions that it's one of my all-time favorite WrestleManias. So it's, it's triple, a good WrestleMania. It's amazing. It holds up to this very day. There's no match of the year candidate from it, but from top to bottom, it's not oversaturated. I believe there's only seven matches on the main card. Come on. That's perfect. And I know people like look at uh, Roman Reigns, Brock Lesnar matches as like it seems drab from now from a distance. But so I watched good. it recently. And it's a good match, actually. It's amazing. I thought that Brock Lesnar sold his ass off in this, that match. I thought they did a fantastic Absolutely. job. Great chemistry together. But of course, one of the biggest, most memorable matches at WrestleMania 31 was Triple H versus Sting. Scott Hall had something to say about it. It was in an interview with Sports Illustrated. He opened up about the match that Sting had with Triple H. See if you agree with this. So, of course, Scott Hall stating, I was there and obviously involved in the match. As we know, NWO and DX both got involved. A little perplexing to me. More so with NWO because they were foes. They were battling back and forth forever. And then all of a sudden, it's like, you're on my side. The NWO siding with Sting, it makes no sense. No continuity. But either way, so he was there last year and he said, we were rehearsing the match in Cali last year at Levi Stadium. And it's the click and the New Age Outlaws out there, and we all knew each other. And then there's Sting, who doesn't know anybody. He's an outsider, maybe pun intended here. I just think he never felt comfortable there, and I can understand that. Being hurt was an answered prayer for him. Just let it end. You need to remember that Vince is never going to go with someone he didn't create. Okay, well, that makes sense. But we didn't get anything done at the rehearsal the night before, so WrestleMania Day, there were tents in the parking lot set up for the rings for rehearsal, So we're all there again, and I'm next to Hulk Hogan on the ring apron, and Triple H is going over the match, and he goes, okay, and then I'll break the sledgehammer, and I'll hit him with the sledgehammer, and I'll cover him one, two, three. I looked at Hulk. Hulk looked at me, and I was thinking, Sting, what kind of lawyer do you have, bro? You're coming in the door doing the job? You weren't even guaranteed to go over? 
That's Vince just reminding you who won, even if you're going to make money the other way. Okay, so that makes sense there. I can understand where Scott Hall is coming from. Would you agree with that assessment in terms of Sting probably should have came in and went over? Yeah. What a ridiculous way to come to the WWE after all these years. Now, you know the theory as to why he lost, right? So the theory as to why he lost is, if you recall, there was a bit of a clash between Triple H and The Rock at WrestleMania 31. Remember, Ronda Rousey was there. So they were thinking the next year was going to be Triple H versus The Rock. And you can imagine Vince saying, well, you got to keep Triple H strong. If we're going to have that match, you got to keep it strong. So that's why Sting lost. I think that's just one theory. It kind of makes sense. But also, he could say... Not good enough. (laughs) Yeah. That's That's so bizarre, though, because Triple H is a heel. He can afford to lose. It doesn't matter. You can build him up for an entire year after that. Exactly. No one would have thought anything less of him no they would have thought more of him in all honesty i think we needed that moment that sting finally conquers wwe he could have had a bit of a run there but there was no reason for him to lose that match it's not one that i lose sleep over it was just the wrong call in my opinion and levi stadium felt the same way they they were thinking this was awesome it was a nostalgic kickback but at the same time sting loses in his debut all of these decades in the making come on just another just another Triple H stealing a storyline, hijacking uh, something people wanted forever. That's just kind of what it felt like to me. That's true. So we did not see Sting for several months, by the way. It was not until the night after SummerSlam 2015. It was Seth Rollins and Triple H. They were going to reveal a statue. Uh, I believe you remember this moment. <laughs> I was watching it, and I thought it was very well done because – you know, normally all of a sudden you see like the statue be revealed and I knew something yeah. was going to be there. Something was going to be wrong. I think it was going to be like defaced or broken, but instead stings in there. And I feel bad for him because some of his makeup is partially off because it's probably so damn hot. <laughs> yeah. and he's sweating his ass that off. That, he must have just been sweating like crazy in that thing because they took their time to reveal that. Yeah. They're like, I just felt like the drum roll was going off forever. He's probably like, come on, open up. It's like those guys who are stuck ha- hanging out under the <laughs> ring for the whole night and can, finally get him out after four, could you, four could hours. You, could you imagine Sting, who's such a gentleman, finally breaks kayfabe and goes like, just fucking hurry. Come on. <laughs> yeah. Let's go. So that was the way in which Raw ended, right? And Sting was holding up the World Heavyweight Championship and something a lot of people thought they'd never see. So naturally, they're thinking, okay, where are they going in this direction? Is it going to be Seth? Versus Sting. So from that episode of Monday Night Raw, where for one time only Sting in the WWE World Heavyweight Championship, it became a real thing. He's holding it high above his head. So Sting tormented Seth Rollins, right? I mean, he destroyed the statue. All this happened. And then we move forward to Night of Champions 2015. This, of course, was where I was telling you I was in Salt Lake City, Utah, which, by the way, I went there on a Sunday and everything's closed. You can understand why. Seth Rollins wrestled two matches in a double main event, if you recall. So kudos to him. I don't know how he did this, but in the first, he defended his recently won United States Championship against John Cena, the doctor of Thugonomics, picked up the W, taking back his prized U.S. title. Of course, he had the U.S. Open Challenge. And then as we move along, it's Sting versus Seth Rollins. The match that ended the Sting in WWE era. Following his loss to Cena, Seth was now forced to face Sting for the WWE World Heavyweight Championship. It was a solid match, but it's forever marred by the fact that it was Sting's last. It was a buckle bomb that did him in. Oh, it was brutal, wasn't which it? I think, which I think got outlawed this week. 
if I read correctly. Really? Well, it should be. That? I think it makes sense. I mean, using the buckle bomb is hurting way too many people. It's a dangerous move because you can't really control their body. And it's just momentum yeah. taking them into the corner. And also keep in mind, too, you know who else got injured with that? Was Finn Balor. Remember against the barricade as well. I think he right, popped out right, his shoulder right. or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. I've, I've, I, Seth Rollins has kind of got a little reputation uh, for hurting people. Don't ask Brett about that, by the way. Yeah, Brett. Brett. Brett would agree with me there. <laughs> he's uh-huh. like, I think he said, "I quote, he's going to kill someone." And I was like, "Brett, yeah. if I was your publicist, I'd say, please let's not release this." <laughs> oh, Brett likes to talk, don't he? Yeah. Uh, so Seth, uh, Seth busted it out on who knows how many occasions, and didn't do anything different with Sting than he did with any of the countless other guys he hit it on. It was a matter of wear and tear. Sting's a fifty-six-year-old guy at Night of Champions. 2015, that's not a normal 56 either. That's a pro wrestler 56. Yeah. Keep in mind, the man started his professional wrestling career in 1985. This was 30 years later. Jeez, that's so long. That's a, Yeah, that's a long time. And he still might come back to AEW. Oh, maybe. I don't think maybe. he will. I don't want him to jeopardize his health. I really don't. Yeah, that, <laughs> that's fair. Uh, you watch Double or Nothing, right? Of course. They said they said Sting's name at some point, and I was like, oh, "Stinger Splash." This is it. I think it was Stinger Splash. Is, is what, what it was. The, what, yeah. Is that what they said? yeah, I was like, "Oh, this is that." <laughs> Didn't happen. <laughs> um, all right. So shortly after the event, there was a Sting in WWE interview to help fans get a handle of what happened to him. Oh God! And what happened? Interviewer, what happened to him? Interviewer says, "Were you aware of exactly when your injury occurred during the match?" Sting says. Oh, yeah, definitely. Both times into the turnbuckle. First time was like whiplash. Ugh. My fault. Bottom line. I know better. Second time I went up into the air and back towards the turnbuckle like that. I thought, well, that's not going to happen again. And then it did. And the second time was worse. Oh. Yeah. What do you call an audible to think like, hey, Seth, you know, this really killed me the first time. Let's not do it again. <laughs> Let's not go back to the well. And that's exactly what they did. He probably just thought, well, it's impossible it could be that bad twice. And it was. <laughs> Didn't even feel his fingers. Uh, I mean, that's when you know it's bad. Right. Where you're thinking, uh, are my arms supposed to feel like jello? No, not yeah, normal. Losing okay. all sensation. Uh, interviewer goes on to say, at this point, what's your prognosis, both short term and long term? Sting says, bottom line, I had tingling numbness down both arms all the way to my fingertips. And then later in the match, I just felt wrong. Whatever it was. And this time, the tingling and numbness went down both my arms and into my legs, and I couldn't feel my legs too well. Hmm. They just got, they just felt like rubber. I don't know how to describe it. I had to go down on all fours there for a minute, get my composure. I was a little uh, worried, which you see him uh, kind of just collapse in the ring at that, one point. That was disturbing. When I was watching that, yeah. I, I was almost saying, just wave off the match. Like, don't even have it yeah. keep going. So it's a, it's a credit to Sting, being a professional, that he had to shake off the cobwebs, continue, because he said he owed it to Seth, and he felt bad. Again, the ultimate gentleman, because most people would just say, just call it. I can't even continue. There's no point. I don't have my legs under me. I can't even stand. Yeah, but it's the main event of a pay-per-view at the same time. What are you supposed to do? That's true. Got to give it some sort of finality. Uh, Sting says, long-term, well, I'm just going to take care of the short-term first and see how the long-term might play out. And uh, those who saw it know that the Sting in WWE injury was quite a scary incident. Sting says, the the referee, the doctor, they're all in there talking to me. Are you okay? What's going on? Can you continue? Are you all right? Tell us what's happening. And the whole time, I'm just thinking, oh, man, not now. I mean, I want this to be good. And if it ends up being the last thing I ever do in the ring, I don't want to go out like this. Yeah, that's true. 
I mean, and that's the lasting image. That's a man who's done this for 30 years. He takes a lot of pride in his profession, in his body of work. Is that the way you want to go out on your hands and knees? I can totally understand that. That's pride. Yeah, exactly. And especially when your WWE career is just going to be defined by a few moments. You don't want this to be one of them. Yeah, it, it would basically be three moments of like the debut, the Triple H match, no. and this. That's really it. I think there's two TV spots. Right? Yeah. I think he does like a tag team match. He actually wins, I think. Yep. Uh, and, his two TV spots. Yeah. But loses his two uh, pay-per-view spots, uh, unfortunately. But yeah. he did put over <laughs> Seth Rollins pretty huge when asked about competing against Seth Rollins. This was back in 2015, which I'm just going to state for the record. I believe this was the best Seth Rollins to date. They've tried to replicate okay. this in different forms, but I just thought he was riding high. You could have put the the company on his back at this point, really. So he said, the biggest pleasure, I'm honored. After 30 years and working with some of the best and some of the greatest, Rollins is, I'm telling you, he's got to be the best I've ever worked with. So when he said that, he had my full attention. I thought, I I, <laughs> I take that very seriously when Sting's saying that, because he's been in there with who's who. Because right? he's worked with everyone. He everyone, has. Everyone. And he yeah. said, I mean, this guy has it. I think he's just scratching the surface on what he will do. I've never seen somebody as talented. He's working two matches on Raw, two matches on the pay-per-view. He's involved in every other segment, and it's physical. He's got guys coming from every angle. He's got a lot on his plate. He's carrying a lot, and he's handling it. He's proving he can do it. I'm just glad I got the chance to work with him. He's the kind of guy who could be in there with a broomstick and make something very interesting happen, a match that people would somehow love. And he went on to say, really, I can't say enough. Uh, this is a funny story, and I remember Sting recounting this on multiple occasions. He poked his head into the ambulance, meaning Seth Rollins. He said, man, I'm so sorry. I don't know what happened. And I know Seth at this point was panicking, and I, you know, he's saying, Seth, don't worry about it. It's not your fault. And for 15 minutes, he just said, I just wanted to tell you how much of an honor it was. I, I can't believe it. And then, uh, Sting, Sting, I was you for Halloween when I was a kid. And Sting's like, thanks, that, that, that's cool. But he always, when he's recounting that story, he always points out how Seth was saying, yeah, I was you for Halloween. I was you for Halloween. So you could tell, obviously, to Seth that this was a big deal working with Sting as well, too, somebody that he idolized as a child. Yeah, apparently went as him for Halloween two years in a row. <laughs> That's, That's amazing. Huge. That's good. So ultimate- I, imagine you've, I imagine you've dressed up as a wrestler for Halloween. Am I wrong? Uh, I dressed up as some, but they were terrible costumes. I did The Undertaker one year, and it was horrible. Me too, Undertaker. It's horrible. I remember there was a place in town called McCormick, so you could go in there and buy the actual WWE costume or WWF costume at the time, but it was super okay. expensive, and I'm a kid with no money, right. so I can't afford right. it. I can't ask my parents. Hey, can you get this? You're a jabron. I'm not buying that for you. So I tried to make my own, and it was awful. All that I was asked is like, "Who are you?" I'm like, "Oh, that's that's how you know it's a bad costume." <laughs> that's right. I really hope your parents actually called you a jabron. I like that. Oh, that's real. Uh, maybe my dad did. I call him a jabron. So we just go back and forth there. That's how we work nice. on our promo skills, right? So ultimately, <laughs> Sting received. A cervical spinal stenosis diagnosis. Try saying that three times fast. The same injury, <laughs> so the, the retired edge for nine years. So this was a big deal. This was essentially, you're out, you're not coming back. Right. Yeah, so that's, that's it. It's, it's, it's weird because despite that, rumors all the time that he was going to go get surgery and he was going to come back. And he was saying, you know, hey, I'm completely satisfied. He's truly a man of no ego. He's 56 years old at the time. That's it. But that said, we can agree, the biggest disappointment of all is the fact we never got to see Sting 
and Undertaker years earlier. And when I say years earlier, I'm talking the 90s or at least the early, maybe even the mid-2000s. Sting was still in pretty peak condition. Taker was. We never saw it. It's that ultimate what if. So do you know what the germ of that that uh, dream was? Like, where did that start? Why, mm-hmm. why was this the forever thing? Like, there's a lot of guys. Why was it always those two put together? Is it the, like, dark makeup yeah. deal? Yeah, it was just the darkness. They... It was the dark. It was, like, the mysterious okay. brooding characters that basically <clears throat> also were the constants of their company when you think about it. Taker never left. Right. Sting never left. So here are, right, like, the flag exactly. bearers. And they're also yeah. kind of similar in gimmicks, yet they're very different. So I think that's why people wanted to see it, because it was basically almost good versus good or evil versus evil. I think Taker could have been evil there and Sting could have been good. It would have been an easy Ooh, way yeah, to market like it. Imagine if you had Ministry Undertaker versus yeah. Sting. Boom, money right there. Damn. Damn. And we never saw it, Corey. We never saw it. There were, well, they did, they did fight at one point. The NWA title. Yeah, I was going to say way back in the day when he was Mean Mark. Mean Mark Callis, yeah. I've never seen that. I don't know if there's any actual footage of that. But There uh, is. There is. Mean, there, there's mean, footage? Yeah, Mean Mark had a lot of potential, obviously, back then, but it was potential that was not fully realized till he got to WWF and had the greatest gimmick of all time bestowed yeah, upon did, him, which he, he, did he just fine. He transformed it into his own, so kudos to him, and you can watch all those episodes on the last ride as he essentially rides off into the sunset or maybe not. What's going to happen in today's episode? I don't know. I'm I don't excited. know. Yeah. Uh, so finally, uh, Sting's, uh, Sting's Hall of Fame retirement. Finally, on the mm-hmm. 2nd of April at the 2016 WWE Hall of Fame ceremony, Steve Borden, the man called Sting, officially announced his retirement, conclusively closing the door on his 30 years in the business of professional wrestling and his 465-day stint in the WWE. He was inducted by Ric Flair. Do you remember that induction speech? It was so all over I the do. place. I felt horrible for Sting. And like, I, I know Rick thinks so highly of Sting, but at the same time, he was so off topic at least six times. It made no sense. Rick's been off topic for a few years now. <laughs> um, Sting says, you've heard me say it before. You've heard me say it for years that the only thing that's for sure about Sting is nothing is for sure until now. On this very night, at this very moment, I'm going to finish my wrestling career under the WWE umbrella, and I'm so proud of that. I'm officially going to retire tonight. Yeah. As he said this, a thank you, Sting chant sounded out. Sting soaking it all in, took a moment to grab his trademark bat and put on a pair of sunglasses. It was a great moment. And, of course, they were also chanting, one more match, one more match. You can see why it's so difficult to walk away when you have thousands of fans that are just clamoring for one more match. But I believe he made the right decision and he walked it's away because his health is more important than one more match. Eternal wrestling disease, that one more match. You just, just can't get rid of that virus. Uh, have you ever heard Mick Foley explain it? He probably has the most eloquent way of explaining it, just saying you're just looking for that one final high, that perfect note to ride off on. But it, it never of comes. Course. Or with the last ride, you have it and then you come back and then it's tarnished, and then you have to say, well, I want that erased from my memory, and then it just keeps going, and it is, as Michelle McCool says, a vicious cycle. And as we, you and I spoke off-air, it's it doesn't look like it's he's done it yet, because I don't think that AJ Styles match is going to be his last match. Yeah, and there's a lot of people that obviously, here's the other thing, too, to note, is there's a lot of people that said, I'm retired, and they come back. Yeah, and usually it doesn't work out so well. No, not not for the vast majority of them, right? Yeah. I mean, 
let him come back and be a referee or whatever they need to do. But the wrestling part is just uh, there's a time to leave it behind. Definitely. And Sean Sean did it so eloquently and then ended up screwing that up. I thought that he was going to be the guy that would always withhold and say, I'm not going to do it. I made a promise to take her. I'm not going to do it. He comes back. And it was just a disaster of a tag team match. And you thought, Shawn Michaels, arguably the greatest in-ring performer of all time. You have nothing left to prove. Why are you coming back? Yeah. Yeah. Just, uh, well, no one goes out and rides off into the sunset anymore. Ah, that is true. So sunburn. So we get to legacy. And in terms of legacy, and this is just me speaking about Sting, I believe that he's the franchise of WCW. We can agree with that. One of the greatest baby faces of all time. And more importantly... One of the most respected gentlemen to ever step foot in the wrestling business. Nobody has a bad word to say about Steve Borden, the human being. And that says a lot about their character if they actually do say, yeah, I don't like Sting. It's like, really? Nobody says any bad words about him. He's a stand-up guy. He's He doesn't have an ego. He's not selfish. He's very giving. When you see Sting, the lost tape. He is so incredible to his fans. He says, I want to connect with them. I want to spend time with them. I want to actually put myself out there. There is a performer that actually genuinely cares about his fan base. Absolutely. Uh, And just one of the greatest singers of all time. (laughs) And beyond that, just to kind of summarize here, so we know where I stand with him. And one of my all-time favorites, and for the record, three people are really my all-time favorites and for different reasons, but it's always been, and I have a whole handful of the AJs, the Kurt Angles, the Brian Pillmans, the Jake Roberts of the world, but there's three. It's always been Brett, Savage, and Sting. Those have been my guys, and I would would do anything for them. If a book comes out, if a DVD comes out, I go buy them because those are my three guys. So I'll support them until the end of time. And Diamond Dallas Page once said, Nobody did it better than Sting. Even Hulk Hogan once said that he feels Sting should be mentioned in any conversation regarding the top 10 greatest pro wrestlers of all time. I would agree with that, just in terms of what he's accomplished, body of work. Sting was a prominent influence on a lot of veterans, too. Keep in mind Kurt Angle, Kane, Goldberg, AJ Styles, Goldust, Bray Wyatt, Tyson Kidd. And he was actually the favorite wrestler of Jeff Hardy, Cody Rhodes. He adored Sting. He still wants to wrestle him one last time. And Sheldon Benjamin. So those are three guys that said, that's my guy. And I know who else was a big fan of him was John Cena. I think even like straight WWE fans had still had a complete respect for Sting, even if they that was their oh. opposing brand guy. Amazing. I mean, and his impact on professional wrestling, undeniable. So we thank him for three decades of putting his body on the line and thoroughly entertaining us. And again, as of May 12th, 2020, Sting is no longer under contract with WWE. And of course, while fans still hope for one last match, I believe that he would be more well-suited as a brand ambassador. Again, I noted he's 63 years old. You look at all the injuries that he's gone through and he's had to recover from. He has nothing left to prove. So maybe a brand ambassador for AEW would be great. But I don't want to see him perform in the ring again. It really is just good enough to have them around, right? Like you don't need them wrestling it's fine go be a manager the manager thing like AEW is doing pretty good with that with bringing old guys in as managers that's all we need from them tully arn jake look no further exactly right? exactly just come join that little uh roster then we get jake and sting in the same situation that, we not could. Bad. hey relive some of their wcw days they actually took yeah. each other on back in 1992 weren't the greatest matches in my humble opinion but there is a rivalry already built in exactly exactly so some final thoughts, Mr. Corey. I have a couple questions to ask you, as I normally do. Yes, sir. Given the outcome yes. with Triple H and Seth Rollins, 
Would you change much about his WWE tenure? I'm willing to believe yes. If I've not made myself clear, I would change <laughs> basically every single aspect of it. What do you think you would have done would, differently? Not not to take 20 minutes to go through it, but what do you think you would have right. done differently if you brought in Sting? Like, you're Vince McMahon, or you're one of the top executives, and we say, finally, we have Sting here, one of the greatest performers of all time, uh, the one individual we could never bring over. We finally have him. What do you do? Well, I, I, aside from the obvious, like, do we really need to bring in the authority storyline no. for everything all the time? No. Always? No. no. So that... Get rid of that. I don't know. You know, just <laughs> basically the Triple H aspect of all of it is just like, come on. And maybe make him win. That'd be, that'd be handy. <laughs> Pull out the W. Little, yeah. Little glory. Little glory would be nice. Uh, I mean, I, I think maybe the Seth Rollins stuff was all right. Yeah, I thought had, it was good. Had it worked out, had it worked out, that was maybe a better combo, but. It got yeah, Seth that, over. That was important. So it got Seth over. It you know, further established him as, you know, quote unquote, the future going over Sting, yeah. one of the all time greats. So I thought that, that feud was fine. And I do believe one of the only reasons they put Sting with Triple H was the fact that they knew Triple H could probably get a really good match out of him. Of course, Triple H, a very reputable performer. Uh, I believe they know each other as well, too. So that's probably why. But at the same time, it's still a wasted opportunity that even in 2015, let me pose this to you. Yeah. What have you still wanted to see? Sting and Taker, because if you remember, it was Taker versus Bray Wyatt at WrestleMania 31. Switch that around. What about Sting versus Taker? How does that sound? And this is coming off I, the I heels of the streak that. being bro- broken, right? I, the year prior, streak is broken. You have nothing to lose at this point. That's an even better reason. Yeah. Like, oh, the streak's broken. Let's now. What do we do with him? Oh, that the dream thing from yeah. decades. Yeah, it makes that. sense. There's no doubt. And you know what? Here's another question that I could throw out there, or at least situation, that if Sting loses, would it make more sense for him to lose at WrestleMania to somebody, quote-unquote, establishing themselves as the future? That would be kind of cool, too. So if Sting does lose, he loses to, say, a Seth Rollins or somebody else in that situation. Why are we still building up Triple H at that time? I don't know. Absurd! (laughs) And final question for you, Corey. Where do you rank Sting as one of the all-time greats? I mean, he's the hero from the other company. He's, uh, he's, you know, he's their Hulk Hogan. So he's, he's hovering near the top, I would say. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone would agree with that. There's no doubt about that. I do wholeheartedly. And in fact, when we step away from the microphone, I'm going to paint up my face, do a stinger splash, lock somebody in a scorpion death lock and celebrate the life and the career, even though he's he's not dead. So I'm not saying this as a memorial (laughs) for Steve Borden, a.k.a. the man called Sting. So this concludes yet another episode of the Pro Wrestling Stories podcast. I sincerely hope that you join us for future episodes. We're gaining a lot of momentum, and that is thanks to you. Thousands upon thousands of downloads, Corey. Uh, Obviously a testament to the fact that individuals tuning in love hearing these compelling stories, really, right? It's almost like every breath we take, they'll be watching us. Every breath we take. I'm not going to sing too much or we'll get sued and we'll be kicked off the air. So (laughs) join us for more episodes as we dive deep into the archives to bring these articles to life in audio form. Listen and subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Follow Pro Wrestling Stories on Facebook at Pro Wrestling Stories on Twitter. PWS underscore official. And if you're looking to add a t-shirt to your collection, stop by pwstees.com. 
10% off your order if you use the promo code podcast. Also, remember, leave us a review. You leave us a review. If we've earned it, five stars, of course, that doesn't hurt. You will be entered to win a T-shirt of your choosing from, you named it, pwsts.com. I'm Chris Toplak. He is Corey Rivard. Happy trails to you until we meet again.